Thanks to the wonderful folks at Anchor.fm. Welcome, listeners, to Tom Reads Your Story. Join voice actor Tom Zania as he reads from articles, social media, past audiobooks, and other spoken word projects. You writers may also be given the chance to have your newly written material, fiction or nonfiction, read to an audience. And now, here's the host of Tom Reads Your Story, voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. And thank you very much, Mr. Announcer, for that lovely introduction. Welcome, all of you audiobook listeners and actors and writers. We're celebrating the spoken word, and this is Tom Reads Your Story. Thanks for stopping by. I'm glad you're here. Today, my absolute favorite comedian, Jim Gaffigan, gets into a little bit of political talk. And I'll be right back after this. Jeff Corey was a great Hollywood character man who became blacklisted in 1951. In the book Improvising Out Loud, My Life Teaching Hollywood How to Act, Corey recounts his extraordinary story. Among the actors who would soon fill his classes were James Dean, Kirk Douglas, Jane Fonda, Rob Reiner, Jack Nicholson, and Leonard Nimoy. In 1962, when the blacklist ended, Corey was one of the industry's first trailblazers to seamlessly reboot his acting career and secure roles in some of the classic films of the era, including Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, True Grit, and Little Big Man, in which he starred as the infamous Wild Bill Hickok. His memoir, which he wrote with his daughter Emily Corey, provides a unique and personal perspective on the man whose teaching inspired some of Hollywood's biggest names to star in the roles that made them famous. Improvising Out Loud, My Life Teaching Hollywood How to Act, written by Jeff Corey with Emily Corey. Listen to this incredible book by visiting audible.com. But Domino's, they're doing the sandwiches because of the success of those Subway restaurants, right? Those Subway restaurants are everywhere. I got one backstage in my bathroom. <laughs> Subway. That was a bit of a disappointment, Subway, right? You're like, hey, Subway, eat fresh. And then you bite in, you're like, not so fresh. <laughs> not fresh at all. <laughs> Even if you haven't been to Subway, you probably walked by and breathed in that bread exhaust they pump out. Yeah. Ah, the smell of bread that was just baked in a dirty dishwasher. I don't know if it's making me hungry or concerned for the ozone. But I go to Subway, you know, and not just because it's fun watching a clinically depressed person throw together your sandwich. <laughs> they make it right in front of us. You'd think they'd do it with a little bit of flair. You want mayonnaise? Uh, sure. <laughs> I feel like I'm at Benihana. <laughs> Can I get my picture with you? It's kind of awkward while they make your sandwich. You just stand there wishing the sneeze guard was facing the other way. <laughs> and of course, that was Jim Gaffigan.
from uh, from YouTube, uh, a nice piece about Subway that I think most people are very glad he did. Now, there is something or a few things that people get a little nervous about uh, as far as comedians doing a routine uh, concerning, um, and that is religion and, of course, politics. So, Jim got into a bit of a rant uh, a week or so ago uh, in regards to a political matter about our, our current excuse for a president. And uh, it's <laughs> it got a little interesting. There was someone who did an article about it from the publication called Fatherly. And I'm going to read a little of it right now. Wholesome suburban dad Jim Gaffigan loses his shit with Trump supporters by Isabella DeLeo, August 28, 2020. From Fatherly, Jim Gaffigan is known for his typically apolitical comedy, generally beloved for his clean-cut humor and parenting jokes like those in his book Dad is Fat. So it was surprising and sort of stunning to see the comedian trending on Twitter after going on an extended political rant. But it's true. While the Republican National Convention aired, Gaffigan kicked off an hour-long rant with nearly 20 tweets, beginning with, Rest in peace, truth, and, Excuse me while I treat myself to confronting some asshole trolls. It was truly awesome in the dictionary sense of extremely impressive and inspiring great admiration to watch the comedian's truth be unleashed in real time. His tweets drew admiration, and of course some criticism from afar. Fellow comedian Mike Berbiglia commented on Gaffigan's viral tweets, writing, I know so many entertainers who stay out of discussing politics and don't speak their mind about the corruption we're witnessing in the White House, because it's bad for business. My hat is off to Jim Gaffigan. We all have to stand up to the incompetent bully in the White House. And the bad feminist author Roxanne Gay penned, Wow, the president made Jim Gaffigan the chilliest dude snap completely. A few tweet highlights from Jim Gaffigan's poignant remarks include, Trump derangement syndrome is part of the con. Wake up. You know Fox News is biased and full of loons, it's how they gaslight and silence criticism. Do you think any of those congressional Republicans really believe in Trump, or do they fear him? Jim Gaffigan, August 28, 2020. You know Trump just creates enemies. You know you can't trust him. You know he's been incompetent during this crisis. You know all those people didn't need to die. Trump talks about the space program, and you can't safely go to a movie. Wake up. Jim Gaffigan, August 28, 2020. Can we stop with this Hollywood shit? I'm not from Hollywood, and Hollywood is just a town. Please say coastal elites, which Trump, Jared, and Ivanka are. Maybe people on the East and West Coasts have different values from yours, but they don't like liars and con men like Trump. Jim Gaffigan. 
August 28, 2020. I know you hate snobs and elites. I get it. But look at Ivanka and that douchebag Jared. Think they are on your side? Do you think they'd ever done a real day's work in their lives? Wake up. Jim Gaffigan, August 28, 2020. I don't give a fuck if anyone thinks this is virtue signaling or whatever. We need to wake up. We need to call Trump the con man and thief that he is. Jim Gaffigan, August 28, 2020. And so what you're going to hear now is sort of a comeback article or a posting from Facebook that Jim Gaffigan uh, wrote. Uh, he, uh, he got into a lot of hot water with this uh, group of tweets that he did. And uh, he, he may have gotten his life threatened. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he did um, from the usual number of crazy Trump supporters. But um, like I said, this is from um, Facebook, uh, Jim Gaffigan, once again. From Jim Gaffigan, in Facebook, August 31st at 1227 a.m. What I've learned since I lost my mind. Before you start reading this, let me be clear, you do not have to read this. I'm not asking you to. I wrote this for myself, mainly. No need to tell me that this is poorly written. I know. I'm sure there are grammatical errors also. I've known for a long time I probably have an undiagnosed learning disability. My goal in writing this down is a hope that I can organize and explain to you and myself why I did what I did and decide what we will do over the next 60 or so days. To be clear up front, I don't think anyone is going to let an actor or a comedian tell them who to vote for, despite the fact that the current president is essentially both an actor and a comedian. However, I'd be lying if I didn't say I want to change some minds. Of course I do. I feel strongly about what is going on in our country. I'll get to that shortly. But I also don't believe I'm an expert on politics or how the world works. I'd much rather be making jokes about some strange food I ate in Estonia. So let's set the stage. On the Thursday night, I went on a Twitter rant about the RNC and Trump. I did. I must have been drunk. I wasn't. I was angry, cursing. I was. While tweeting about things that contradicted everything I stood for as a so-called clean Catholic comedian, I disagree. In reality, I've made jokes about Trump in my last three specials and have repeatedly expressed support for gay rights and Black Lives Matter on social media. Regardless of any of that, I am perceived as apolitical. That is somewhat intentional. I learned early in my stand-up career, people don't want to hear about politics from me. I knew me talking about politics wasn't changing any minds and was only alienating half of the audience. Okay, fine. So why now? The answer is simple. Trump is a great salesman possibly the best salesman I've seen in my lifetime. I don't care how many businesses he has driven into the ground or contractors he's screwed over. Trump is charming, funny, and comes across as sincere. I watched Trump speak on Thursday night like I had many times before. 
I knew he was going to lie. I even knew some of the lies he was going to say. By the way, I'm not naive. I understand all politicians lie or bend the truth. When Bill Clinton said, I feel your pain, I gagged a little. But I did figure his heart was in the right place. I may lose you on this, but I believe most politicians are motivated by the best intentions. I might not have agreed with Bill Clinton, George W. or Jimmy Carter on a lot of things, but I do believe they had the best intentions. I don't think Trump does. This isn't just a feeling. This is something I've known for a long time. So if I believe I won't sway any voters, why speak out like I did? Honestly, I feel I had no choice at this point. I think Trump is ruining and possibly has already ruined my country. For me, this isn't a debate about the size of government, taxes, health care, or even abortion. I miss the days when those were the topics I would discuss with friends. I feel a responsibility to coming generations, my children, but selfishly, I didn't want to explain to my grandchildren that I didn't fight to stop Trump. Maybe they will see that I stood up for decency, rule of law, and equality. That's way more important to me than selling out an arena. Additionally, please understand, I'm no saint. I can be lazy, selfish, and grumpy, but somehow that works in the entertainment industry. Come to think of it, that seems to work pretty well for politicians, too. I also believe many of the people who support Trump are good, decent people that have been fed lies and misinformation, yes, from Fox News and conspiracy theorists. It's obvious I'm not going to change a loyal Trump supporter's mind, but on Twitter Thursday night, I was trying to reach a different group. Having grown up in a small town in the Midwest and having traveled around the country for the last 20 years, I know there are people that really don't like Trump but they do like what Trump is selling. Like many of these people, I do feel the flyover states are condescended to by the coastal folks. These people own or work for a small business destroyed by COVID. They have friends and siblings that are police officers and youth ministers. They believe in equality and truly care about their neighbor. These people know Trump is a con man, but in the end, they simply want what is best for their community and the people they love. Nobody wants anarchy. I realized Thursday night, if these people were frightened enough by Trump and the GOP lies, they would pinch their nose and vote for Trump. Maybe by stepping out of my presumed lane, I could help inspire them to do what they already know is right and consider what they are actually voting for rather than feel they had no other choice than to vote for Trump. Did I make a difference? I don't know. So, let's go over what I've learned since I lost my mind or my Thursday night tweet storm. It felt liberating. Obviously, I can only speak for myself, but I know many of us are tired of censoring everything we say so we don't offend our politically correct friends, but this also applies to our passionate Trump friends, relatives, and peers. There was a time when civil political disagreement took place, even if you vehemently disagreed. It's like after Thanksgiving 2016, we all decided to let the crazy relative decide the discourse and context of every argument. It was refreshing to let our four years of frustration boil over and offer some straight talk on what Trump has done to our country 
or our democracy. There are bots, a lot of them. On Thursday night, I knew I would anger some followers with what I was saying and was prepared for their feedback. There was tons. I assumed some of the feedback was from bots. Not that I necessarily understood the technology. I knew that there were computer-generated messages sent to me by an algorithm. On Friday night, rather than talking to everyone on Twitter like I did on Thursday, I thought it might be constructive if I directed my reasons of why Trump needs to go to one person. I noticed a woman who had tweeted at me, You just lost a ton of fans. I proceeded to tweet a bunch of things to her, hopefully trying to be funny and persuasive. Eventually, another person on Twitter saw my series of tweets to her and informed me that the woman I was tweeting at was, in fact, a bot. While equally hilarious and frightening, this was revealing to me. Why was I the target of bots? Was it a Russian bot? A Trump bot? Is Trump a bot? Hollywood is pedophile ring. Through numerous messages, I learned that while Trump wished Epstein's partner slash groomer well, the Democrats are the ones who are supposedly pro-pedophile. It became abundantly clear that many, many people really do believe Hollywood and the entertainment industry as an enormous pedophile ring. I know that sounds absurd, but I received dozens of messages from people convinced this was true. That isn't as much of a fringe belief as you might think. Pizzagate wasn't a one-off. It was the tip of the iceberg. Republican talking points work. One person's entertainment is another person's fact. As funny as some might find the reasoning of Republicans, Trump supporters really do believe that Biden is a radical and or Trojan horse for America being turned into a socialist state. As ridiculous a Biden-Harris ticket being super left may sound to my progressive friends, the feedback I received on all social media platforms would indicate that the Trump messaging is working great. And let's not forget, we laughed Trump all the way into the White House in 2016. That's why I think we shouldn't make that same mistake twice. The stakes are too high. Career suicide slash career move. As with many of the messages I received, the accusations were often contradictory. Many people announced that my career was over, while some thought my tweets were a career stunt to bolster my career. If it were a stunt, I would have done it years ago. I fully did expect, and still do expect, my career to take a hit, but as I mentioned earlier, I'm okay with that. Some people actually think I was paid or coerced into tweeting about those commonly known facts about Trump and the GOP. For those of you that think this was a publicity stunt, please remember there is no work to pander for as an out-of-shape, straight Catholic, clean comedian slash father of five. I learned a long time ago, I'm not going to be the sexy choice or the tastemaker's darling. I do, however, understand this suspicion, which is why I have turned down all press requests surrounding my Twitter rant. I'm posting this on my socials in hopes of reaching one of those rare undecided voters who might still be following me. Threats. The image that is connected to this post is one of the many messages I received that are quasi-threatening or flat-out threatening. I have friends that have received much worse, and 
I'm sure this guy is just engaging in some bluster. We all know Trump is not a unifier. But remember, he and his cronies stoke hatred and violence. He may say he is the law and order candidate, but he wants chaos so he can pretend to provide security. I'm not saying that both Kenosha shootings wouldn't have happened with a different president. I'm just saying there would have been leadership to solve the issue rather than capitalize on it. It's about Trump. It doesn't matter that Trump and his folks are breaking laws, trying to kill Obamacare, pre-existing conditions, or that his handling of the pandemic was disastrous. To Trump voters, he is their guy. More importantly, he's their president. And disagreeing with them is a personal insult. For many Trump voters, this isn't about any other issue except Trump himself. To me, that is not only weird, but kind of scary. I'm still digesting the whole experience and still apologizing to my wife, Jeannie, for my profanity. But if you are still on the fence, I encourage you to vote not for who I want you to vote for, but for who your grandchildren would be proud you fucking voted for. Sorry, Jeannie. And that, of course, was sort of a rather long comeback article from Jim Gaffigan. And I really hope you enjoyed it because he is probably by far my favorite comedian. And I I hope you like this today. And that should do it for this episode. If you enjoyed today's show, please tell your friends and have them tell their friends. Be sure to email me at TomReadYourStory at Yahoo.com to send in your book, article, or poetry for me to perform, or if you have questions about the show. As always, thanks to Anchor.fm for the chance to have an ongoing podcast. I very much appreciate it. Hope you and your friends come back real soon. Have a great day. Stay safe and take care. For more information on Tom's availability for your e-learning, commercial, audiobook, or video project, visit his website at www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Tom Reads Your Story.